You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Welcome to this episode of This is Asbury. We have some very special guests with us today. Dr. Sandra Gray, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. And Dr. Kevin Brown. Great to be back. If you don't know who they are, we have the current president and the former president of Asbury. And you are serving a unique role right now, Dr. Gray. What are you doing for Asbury right now? Well, my official title is President Emeritus, Mm -hmm. but I am just available as needed, always praying and caring and watching and cheering on Asbury in the background, whether you know it or not. Yes. Well, and you're the first president emeritus that we've had at Asbury. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's a huge honor. So thank you for continuing to be involved in what's going on here. I know that people are very grateful. So let's just jump right in, you guys. Thank you for being here. Can you each talk about how you were both called to come to Asbury? Because neither of you went here. Yes, uh, and your use of the word called Mm -hmm. is very appropriate because being president of Asbury or any institution was never on my radar. But the Lord called me, and it was very definite and intentional. And so for me, saying yes, there was no other answer because I knew so directly that it was the Lord who was calling. Yeah. Was there a person that he used or a circumstance or was it just through prayer? How, what did that look like for you? It really was the person of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that uh, because it was so away from my thought, mm-hmm. uh, never had aspired to this role. And so I was almost a Gideon. It's like, OK, Lord, show me this is really you. <laughs> yeah. And you know, in my own way of putting out a fleece, it just became very obvious. And I We'll add one other thing to that because it's true for all of us. He calls all of us to serve. And when we step into his calling, there's great freedom in that space. Dr. Brown, what about you? Uh, There was a person. So in the early 2000s, my father-in-law was the president of World Gospel Mission. And he talked to me about a board member who used to be a banker and had transitioned into Christian higher education. I said, I would really like to meet her because that is what I would like to do. Of course, he was talking about Dr. Sandra Gray. I think I have the emails to verify this. I believe in 2005 was the first time we had made an email contact, but the first time we met was in 2007. I was invited to come to campus and meet with Dr. Gray. And when I went to Asbury's website to look up the address, Uh, On the front page, it said, congratulations, Dr. Sandra Gray, 17th president Uh, of Asbury uh, University, Asbury College. And so uh, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm I'm meeting with the president now. And so we connected. That was in 2007. Dr. Gray connected me to some people here on campus, notably Steve Clements, Mm -hmm. who is our dean of the School of Arts and Social Sciences. And he and I met. I believe in 2008 and had coffee 
every summer since then. And in 2012, Dr. Clement said, we, Dr. Gray has a vision to launch a school of business. We have a position we're going to open. And so my wife and I moved from Indiana to God's country here in <laughs> Kentucky. <right. laughs> and I started as a faculty member in 2013. And later that academic year, we launched the Dayton School of Business. Which is about to celebrate its 10 year anniversary. So that is wild. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if I might follow up to that, mm -hmm. uh, it's been a point of humor for me and also deep respect for uh, Dr. Brown because I've told him in the past, I think he's the only person that jotted down the recommendations I made for him uh, and he followed them through. <laughs> and so. I didn't know that this role was on the horizon for him, but I immediately knew he was serious yeah. about coming to Asbury. That's great. So you both have this business background, both spent some time in the financial industry. Can you talk about how that area of expertise lent itself to a successful liberal arts university leadership position? Because that's not probably a common path, I would guess. I am probably one of the, the few, certainly, if not the only person with the business background mm -hmm. uh, to step at that time to step in as president. And I came in 2007, as Dr. Brown's already referenced. And in 2008, those of us in the business world will remember what happened then. And so within a year of stepping into this role, I woke up one morning and Asbury had lost 25 percent or more of its endowment, and that's a huge uh, difference for us. And so I was so thankful to be able to read a financial statement. Right, yeah. It didn't produce more income at the time, but it did help me to better understand really the dynamics of what had happened in 2008. Definitely. And I'm sure your leadership at that time was really crucial to the university moving forward during that crisis. Yeah, what about you, Dr. Brown? I agree with what Dr. Gray said. When we talk about business, I think I think it does conjure images of calculators and reading financial statements or marginal analysis. And those things, that really is true. And having competencies in those areas would certainly be a benefit to anyone in administration. Having said that, so much of business is working with people. I would say my background in business, some of the things that did seamlessly translate into higher education, and especially Asbury, because workflow was done at Asbury through the currency of people. That was something that I would like to think has assisted me, not just as an administrator or as a faculty member, just an Asbury employee, because you think about how can we work with people to achieve a common aim. You both have had some obstacles in your times of leadership. They're both smiling and shaking their heads right now. Yes, some major <laughs> obstacles. You know, you just mentioned the financial crisis of 2008. Of course, Dr. Brown, you know, COVID. I don't even like to say COVID anymore. <laughs> what are some of the things that you, you commend each other for and how you handled these really unique situations that were not planned? I would commend Dr. Gray as a visionary, but someone who knew how to take concrete steps to achieve that vision. There's a great line by John Wesley Hughes that I like to repeat, where he said, an education that prepares our students to bring things to pass. Isn't that a great statement? And Dr. Gray was and is someone who could bring things to pass. There's a missionary couple my wife and I think very highly of. I believe we're students under Dr. Gray, the Wagners, uh, Nathan and Seidel. And years ago, uh, when Dr. Gray had been promoted to president, 
We were with the Wagners, and Seidel said, let me tell you something about this woman. If she says she's going to get something done, she will get it done. But not just getting it done by rolling up her sleeves and gritting her teeth and, and that kind of thing, but it was always done consistent with the vision, and it was always done by seeking the face of the Lord. And that was just so evident to everyone in the community. So I think that really created a great confidence that we're being led by someone who is being led by the Lord and by the Spirit. What about you, Dr. Gray? I appreciate that. It really, for me, I knew that I could not do this job by myself. And Kevin, you may feel that way (laughs) at times, but it was just so real to me that if it were not for the Lord, I would not be able to lead. And so there was this sense of one moment I can't do this, and the next moment I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so to a particular point, this building itself, we had just put it out on the drafting table for design for this building. And to have entered into financial uh, downturn as we did. But God has proven, and he did through each of those years, and it's his nature, he continues to do it, but he proved through each of those years that he can bring good from those things that are troublesome. And so this building, we felt the Lord calling us for this communication arts building. When we went out for bid, it was a very desperate day in construction. The bids actually came in. Kevin will probably wince a bit of this because his work has been during a time of construction prices increasing. But this building came in $1 million under budget. And I often would quip, this is the easiest $1 million I ever raised. But but the bigger, (laughs) bigger truth of that is that God used that for our good. And now we have the worldwide ministry that happens through a building that he allowed to come through during that time. It's really hard to imagine Asbury without this building. There were some other things that happened during your tenure, Dr. Gray, specifically around athletics. I want to jump into that a little bit because that's had quite a domino effect. So you established the first vice president of athletics. Is that correct? That is correct. With Mark Whitworth, who is incredible and has just taken Team AU to another level. Can you talk about why that was a priority for you? Well, I knew that we needed to make a change in athletics, that there was great opportunity for the Lord to use the athletics platform for students to be prepared to know who he is and to be shaped and grounded in things of faith, and that athletics is a good platform for that. So we were at the point in just really knowing we needed to raise the bar. I was seated along with our board members at the Cove for a board meeting. Mark Whitworth was seated across the table from me. The Holy Spirit just spoke through me and said, this person, you need to talk with him. I had not planned what that would be, and Mark was in a very successful career with the SEC conference. And so we talked. Afterwards, I said, Mark, I have no idea what I'm saying. I just, the Lord has signaled you to me. And so that's where it started, and Mark wasn't planning to make a change. Yeah, it was several months that passed, It was probably six months, Mm -hmm. I don't know, four months, sometime later. And so we just left. It's like, if you ever want to have a conversation, let me know. And so he called and said, I'm ready for the conversation. Wow. And so I don't take credit for it, but I've often said, I think my greatest claim to fame at Asbury was that the Lord helped me to hire well. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> President Brown's one of them. Oh. Uh, well, and that takes great obedience. 
that's remarkable that you were listening to the spirits guiding in that. But the rest has been history with Mark, and he's a tremendous asset. So you also were instrumental in the Dayton School business, as we discussed earlier, which is just about to celebrate 10 years. Windsor Manor was established under your leadership. Are there other things that you can point to that you are the most proud of? I think the greatest joy for me from my experience here is in the relationships. Students were the primary one. I love the board, the cabinet, faculty, staff. I mean, are all wonderful people. But when I tried to think of memories, many of them centered around students. I bring great thanksgiving and joy to have been able to be at the seat with a few people one-on-one and see the work of the Lord unfolding and to see their vision for how God could use them and how God was calling them. And so that was really my greatest overall joy. I've only been at Asbury for about two and a half years, but I still hear those stories of you working with students and praying with students and coming alongside them. So that legacy definitely continues on. So I love that you pointed to that. Dr. Brown, you've navigated some really interesting times in your short tenure here as well. The pandemic and then the outpouring, which, you know, we all know which one we like better there. (laughs) (laughs) We can just skip over the pandemic part, but you've had a short ride, have also seen some new construction, the CLC and several other large projects. So what are you most proud of at this point in your tenure? Yeah, someone someone mentioned that there had been two outbreaks <laughs> yes. in my administration. I, I said, I said, I like the second one better. Amen. Let me answer your question this way. We had a community meeting in March. I just said, I was really proud of our community and I was really proud to work with the people that I work with. I received a, a really well-written letter. It was anonymous from someone in our community. And uh, again, the tone was, was wonderful, appreciated the way it was written, but they challenged me on the word pride. That's the devil's word. And I thought about that. But then I finally thought about Paul saying, I will boast in Christ. So I am proud because it's not something I did. It's the way the school is. And and I'm just really thankful that during a period of time in in American history, this this moment where there there is just a lot, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of fracture, there's dysfunction, there's uncertainty, there's anxiety, that when the world was looking at this community and the people who were coming here, I was really proud of what they saw because they saw John 17 unity. They saw a high spiritual temperature. They saw men and women at great self-expenditure who were willing to make room at the table for thousands of guests to come and have this encounter and have their hunger met. That I am proud of that, but that pride is not because of something that I did right. or said or yeah. a planning committee or <laughs> anything <laughs> yeah. like that. It's, it's because it really was a picture of Christians at mm-hmm. their best. Whatever happens in the future, that's something I'll, I'll never forget for the rest of my life. You're still in this community, Dr. Gray, but you're doing many other things now. What what was the response um, that you were hearing about the outpouring where you were? It was so positive. Mm-hmm. And I will use that word pride, too, because it is boasting mm-hmm. in who the Lord Jesus is, because it was so evident. And it is what I was hearing externally, that this is not something that President Brown conjured up. It was so evident that it was at the Lord's hand. And so I want to speak to that because Dr. Brown came in just a few months Mm. after his succeeding me, and that's when the pandemic Mm. happened. And I 
grieved for Dr. Brown. It's like, oh, how difficult for him to step into that. I was thankful in some ways, sorry. <laughs> it's like, okay, the Lord knew I couldn't handle it. Yeah. He needed to bring someone else in that could. But here, here's the lesson out of all of that, since you're kind of juxtaposing these two pieces, is that had it not been for faithful leadership in those early days, I'm not sure God would have yeah. seen you, Asbury, you, Asbury University, ready for this work. And so the faithfulness in troubled times, and I just yesterday read John 12, where 27 and 8, where Jesus says, my heart is troubled. Dr. Brown and all of you had to have had troubled soul. He said, my soul is troubled. And he asked, should I pray that this hour would pass? And that's our first thing. It's like, Lord, take this cup, let this hour pass. But then he went on to say, for this reason I'm here, may God be glorified. And so to me, that's an image of what has taken place. Let me pray that this be taken away. And yet the Lord had you here, Asbury University here, for such a time as this, that the Father might be glorified. And so it was, I just saw that and it's like, this is so real. It's such the model of Jesus. The stories have just continued, you know, throughout the year. Here we are, what, eight months or so later. So this trajectory that maybe Asbury's on now, you know, post-COVID and now, you know, in the wake of the outpouring, which, you know, the effects we're still seeing, of course. But what are your hopes for the trajectory of Asbury in the future? What kind of mark do you think has been made or you hope will continue? There is so much that's happening today. I, I believe that Jesus' words about new wine, and I believe that we need to open ourselves uh, for that new wine to be produced, and it will yield results that only eternity will be able to record. But it is a day-to-day -day following, but yet it is with eternity in our hearts that we watch Asbury move forward. And so I think, I believe, I trust, trust that the best days are ahead for Asbury. And the Lord has given a platform for the world to see what happens when he moves. And so my prayers, my trust is that the trajectory is an unfolding of God's will being done, and Asbury's gonna be leading the charge on that. With boldness, I do believe with boldness, I believe with urgency, but I believe with confidence uh, in kingdom impact. I have really appreciated an author I'm reading who's just talked about the importance of institutions as a mold, like creating a kind of uh, character-shaping mold. And so when institutions are really strong, they tell you who you are and what to do and what's authoritative and what's worth valuing and how to act. And so that's been our history for over a century. As Dr. Gray has, has indicated, the importance of that work takes on a new shape, especially in the moment that we're in now. There are new ways we'll, we'll need to achieve that and new practices, but that vision of the, the transformative work of intellect and spirit, morality, social capacity, those things don't change.
Well, translating that vision on a very practical level, the landscape of higher education is changing at a very rapid pace. We're going to see this massive decline in the amount of students who are in this demographic. We see unique financial pressures that perhaps didn't exist on the level they currently exist for previous generations. So again, just on a practical level, what are some of the steps that you see Asbury taking to meet people where they are so that we can continue this trajectory we just spoke about? When I speak with prospective parents and students, I talk about the importance of education that's relevant. So what are those market-ready skills to allow a student to seamlessly enter the marketplace and add value? That's really important. But also, not just relevant, but, but enduring skills. The problem-solving, critical thinking, the ability to, to work well with others, to communicate, whether in writing or verbally, to exercise prudential judgment, And I say, I have no idea what 2035 will be like, but someone with those skills will be relevant. They will do well. And the important thing to emphasize here, this is not just educators saying this, it's employers. And so you said on a very practical level, I think we really need to lean in to the very educational model that has really characterized this school. And you were talking about some of Dr. Gray's many accomplishments during her tenure. One was to move from a college to a university. We have professional schools that are offering these relevant skills, but the ethos of a liberal arts, intentionally and deliberately Christian education hasn't changed. That will never change. I just think this is kind of top of the menu to prepare students for the moment that we're in now. And if we do that well, and if we message that well, we will be relevant. Well, you've talked about the start to ground, just the moral preparation. Yeah. That is the whole person development that's desperately needed right now. And that's where I think Asbury just meets a huge need in the workforce and just in the world at large. People who are making decisions that, sure, they benefit their career, they benefit the economy, of course, but they benefit other people as well. You know, it's not just students who can work really well. They can also live really well, serve really well. Making those kinds of graduates is such a differentiator for Asbury. In that vein, students in 2023 and beyond, there's going to be new challenges. Every generation has seen this. There's always something happening in the world or culturally. What are some of the new challenges for students that you're seeing really at the forefront that we're having to grapple with as a university? Yes, and this really tags off of what uh, Dr. Brown's just talked about. This is not new to us in this environment, but it is becoming increasingly confusing, and that is the whole concept of truth. I just saw a few days ago where the Cambridge Dictionary Word of the Year is hallucination, and which is all about things that are not necessarily true. And in my tenure here, I remember one year, because I remember speaking on it, their word was post-truth. And so I think there is a big challenge about whether truth exists. And people would think truth is whatever we want to make it. And so I think it's Asbury's opportunity to keep pointing to truth and that we believe that truth exists. We don't know all of truth. That's what this liberal arts education is about, is discovering more and more. But we do believe that truth exists, and we know who the source of truth is. And we're not afraid to say, I don't know the answer to some questions because we've not discovered it all. The very practical things is employers are looking for people that can understand there are right answers, there are wrong answers, and in many of those situations it matters. You know, where a 
go to eat for dinner, go for dinner doesn't matter, but there are right answers that matter. And so I think that is one reason that people are uh, seeking Asbury students. And you uh, referred to this. Asbury understands that it's about serving, it's about others. And we are in an environment today that is very inward focused. Individual expressionism, as Carl Truman uses that, that coined that term, that it's what I think and feel inside. And so to be able to lift up unapologetically, proclaim unapologetically, and to serve others in that way is a great practical opportunity for Asbury in serving in the days ahead. Shifting gears a little bit, Asbury is a great place. We're so happy to see students here, you know, our largest incoming class in, I think, ever. A lot of just student activity on campus. Campus just feels really fun right now, which is great. So can you share one of your favorite memories about being here at Asbury? Just something that really stuck out to you as just a really cool moment with our students? A few occasions when people would show up at my house unexpectedly <laughs> with unique greetings. And so I, I did love those fun moments. I was called one day, and this appears to focus on me, but for me it was about them. I was called one day to go to the cafeteria, and I went to the cafeteria, and they had a big birthday cake Aww. for me. And so it was just <laughs> packed with balloons, and it was just such a, a warm memory for me. But I want to tell you another one, and this has just been recent, but I had a couple come from Georgia, and they brought a couple from Hungary who's in ministry there, and they wanted to come to campus. They had heard about the outpouring. This couple, minister in Hungary, wanted to come to campus. I said, I'll be glad to show you around. Mm -hmm. It was in the summer. Most people weren't mm -hmm. here. But as we walked by the green, Reasoner Green, there were students there playing their guitars, others sitting around singing. Wow. And they said, is this normal? Is this? And I said, yes, it is. Uh, yes. I don't know what this group's about, but I did learn later that after the outpouring, there would just be groups singing out on the lawn because students' hearts were to uh, glorify the Lord and to honor their being here. And so it was just those spontaneous, joy-filled moments that just would to any troubled day, it would just bring smiles to our face and a song to our heart. So it's just the spontaneous moments. Another one of those spontaneous moments that I think of, there was a couple, and I, I know them a little bit, and their son was interested in Asbury. This was years ago. And so we all had dinner at Windsor Manor. I'm sure their son was bored to death. And they were going <laughs> to the soccer game afterwards. And I learned this later, that their son was, was standing with his parents and their other Asbury folks around. They're just watching this game. And one of our students came out of the, the stands and saw him, and he said, hey, our are you visiting? And he said, yeah. He said, are, are these your parents? He's like, well, yeah, these are my parents and the, some other people. And he's like, you don't want to stand with these boring <laughs> adults. Come on, come up into the stands. So he brings this student up into the stands. This this student, this prospective student is from Mexico. And we had a group of students who were all screaming and yelling and cheering for our team in Spanish. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And so I learned from the parents later that when he came back after that trip, he said, right then and there, I made my decision. 
this is where I'm going to college. And yeah, you would have thought that we would have planned that, but that right. was just entirely spun. And that was our students being our students. Like, yeah. oh, do you don't want to be with them? Come with us. And <laughs> getting excited and, and uh, rowdy, cheering for the guys. Um, I, I just thought that was a really neat story. I love having student workers in my office. It's so easy to forget why we're here. Just enjoying that time with them has been really special for me. So what is your favorite part of campus, each of you? Someone actually asked me that question once before, and I said, wherever I happen to be at the moment, if I'm in chapel, it's in chapel. If I'm in my office with conversation, it's that place. If I'm walking across campus and I see the energy, and so I love the whole of campus and it just wherever I am, that's it. I would agree with that. And where students are, where they gather, that's what, that's what really gives it life. What is your favorite hiccup drink? I just ask for a regular drip, black coffee. Excellent. I like vanilla latte. Ooh, yum. That's good this time of year, especially. What's your favorite season on campus? Well, I always told the students I had two favorite days, the days they come to campus and the days they graduate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes. actually, I, I did love orientation and the time when students come in and parents are here and there are t many tears of joy, but also tears of absence mm -hmm. that they're anticipating. But the recognition that they are entrusting mm -hmm their students to Asbury University. And so it was just always a joyful moment, but also you feel the weight and the responsibility mm -hmm. of that. I did enjoy commencement because it was a time in which people are happy mm -hmm. and anticipating the future and students are looking forward to going out. And I loved their energy and vision and anticipation. I mean, you could just see the expectant hearts. That was a great time, but yet Christmas is wonderful. Mm. The athletic events are wonderful. So I don't know that I actually have a favorite yeah. season. It'd probably be the same answer. Hard Whatever to, season we're yeah. in, then that's what I'm loving. I'll answer this from a weather standpoint. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I will hold Central Kentucky up to any place in the world for spring and fall. Yes, same. Not summer and winter, yeah. but spring and fall, it is unparalleled in central Kentucky. So what are your plans for Christmas? But we have tradition to be with family in Kentucky, and so we always look forward to that. It is a happy time, and we happen to have a new season of births. I have an eight-week-old great-niece and a four-year-old great-niece, and so it's great to have young ones back in our older households again. And so we look forward just to sharing that time of year, and I'm sure every Family has traditions around the foods that have to be there and and the timing of when we do things that we do. And so I do look forward to that time. But I also look forward to it in our community, the President's Dinner and those uh, Sounds of the Season, which has always been one of my favorite events, too. So I love Advent. I love Christmas. I love the depth of the meaning of that. But I also I love the fact that it brings even those that do not know Christ and don't understand the impact of Advent and the coming of Jesus. It still brings families together. And Ken, my husband, and I both have family members that we're praying over. And it's just wonderful to get family and friends together that we can share our love with 
even in, in the midst of great difficulties. Dr. Brown, what are your plans for Christmas? Yes, love how we end the semester, the songs of the season, the Christmas with the Browns chapel, and we'll see family. That That is just a, a special time. We'll be with my, my parents, my sisters in Louisville, and then Maria's family in northern Indiana. Just the Advent season and just slowing down. It's a wonderful, blessed time. Well, that is a great place to close. I all hope that you guys have a blessed holiday season of rest and rejuvenation. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate your thank time. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu. Thank you.